Hey everyone, welcome to So Fast, So Furious, the ultimate Fast and Furious podcast. Dominic Toretto lives his life a quarter mile at a time, so we are watching the entire Fast and Furious franchise a quarter hour at a time. I'm your co-host, Zach Massetta. I am Vito Lapicola. Vroom, vroom, bitches. It's Anthony Redbench. He's Anthony. back, and he's bad. You've got energy today, which is good. Back and better Whoa. than ever. We've got lots of energy from that alligator jerky drop today, mm-hmm. it which was, is delicious. It was okay. Full Anthony just got back from uh, from Florida, wrestling gators and 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 having the Star Wars. I believe Wars it's experience. pronounced wrestling gators. Wrestling gators, and you brought back some gator jerky, which was surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah. I've had better. I've I've eaten alligator jerky before. This was a little too wet, mm-hmm. and kind of a. Yeah. I like a chewier. Uh, I'm I'm kind of unorthodox in that manner. I like chewier, uh, you know, jerkies. jerkies and things like that. Then well, then you can the, get the, the fuck out. Because this is the dry Aww. jerky podcast. Bye, right guys. Here. Well, they say you are what you eat. Uh, <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Start, starting off with the good jokes early here. <laughs> um, what are you going to have left for the show? I know. I got to save it. All right. Well, we are uh, smack in the middle of Tokyo Drift here. Um, not only that, but Sean and Nina, Nila are in the middle of their date. Sean is uh, really touching Neela emotionally at this point. He says, it doesn't matter if you're an outsider or an insider. All that matters is knowing what you want and going after it. And then she was totally turned on right in that moment. Like the look she gives him, she was like, if there weren't people surrounding us in this pachinko parlor, Mm -hmm. I'd climb on top of you like my mother would have and done things that my mother would have done. Well, see, DK, he can touch uh, Neela physically. But Sean can touch her emotionally. That's right. The true way to a woman's heart is through her brain. Mm-hmm. And her butt. <laughs> we got to oh. come at it from both directions. Here comes the hate mail, boys. Here comes the hate mail. <laughs> well, at this, they're, they're uh, at a, a restaurant, so through, through her stomach, I guess, is his uh, He's He's hitting strategy. her on all levels. That's right. Coming at her from all directions. Just a barrage. He's, he's of the total package. Sean is the total package. And <laughs> <laughs> when you least suspect it. And I can drive. I'm not entirely sure what exactly happens next. Suddenly, Sean is with Neela as she drifts with a group of other drifters, seemingly in a choreographed group drift down the mountain trail Sean was training on earlier. They do move in herds. Yeah. Apparently it's, so. It's sort of like, it's, to me, it had a weird dream, dreamlike quality. It's very, mm-hmm. it almost felt like the sequence was inspired by Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got like that lilting music and, and like these beautiful shots from above all these cars, like five or six cars drifting. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, uh, what's that Tom Cruise movie, Strictly Business? That one where he has father issues and tries to be the best? <laughs> no. Maybe. The that's one, all the one, of them. The, that, that, was, that, that was the joke, is, is that that's business? every Tom Cruise movie. The one where he does uh, risky, business. risky Business. Yeah, Damn Risky it. Business. Risky Business, yes. And there's that scene where it's Tangerine Dream, and, and it's yes. kind of like a dream sequence, and the doors open up. That's kind of... Yeah. It, had, it did have yeah, a very it's, dream-like It's, it's got quality. a very dreamlike quality to it. Uh, the dialogue, everything like that is done. Mm-hmm. It's it's very dreamy. There's that like blue lighting that they use. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very Michael Mann, Tangerine Dream. Yeah. I thought it was a really good sequence, actually. The mm-hmm. editing in it's very good. I agree. Did, you, yeah. did this touch your, your soul, Anthony? Yes. Good. That's yes, through his butt. Good. Through his butt. <laughs> well, that's his most sensitive. The, the way double, that Anthony's soul digits. is through his butt. <laughs> what? Double digits. Oh, wow. 
No. Wow. <laughs> you mean like digits like fingers? fingers? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, moving right along. Uh, Neil is an awfully daring proctologist. <laughs> I'm going to use two fingers today, Anthony, just for the sake of variety. Three if you talk back. <laughs> if, if you can guess which fingers, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> Neil is... Anthony, you've done it. Today today is on the house. He rings a little bell. We got a winner. The nurses come in. Right. Congratulations. It's the fun proctologist. What a fun birthday you just described. <laughs> what a what a horrible business model. It's Gary, the fun proctologist. With games and prizes. Neela says that she used to come and here as a toy chest for the kids. <laughs> oh god. Read the chart. Read the chart, Timmy. Ouch! That's it. You can go home now. Grab a sucker on the your way out. chart. <laughs> just had to get that in there. Uh, Neela says that she used to come here as a kid, even before she could drive. <laughs> oh, God. Don't worry, Timmy. It happens all the time. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. Oh, Lord. This is going off the fucking rails. <laughs> It's okay. The audience could tell we're having fun. <laughs> At least somebody is. Oh, man. <laughs> Tokyo it's prick. Timmy ain't. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, well, he must be really having problems if he's going to a proctologist at that age. My God. You thought shots were bad. Okay. Neela says she used to come here as a kid. Even before she could drive, she'd come to watch the older kids drift. How how do you watch be- Jesus? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, she's clearly even watching. Like you can watch but, from I mean, the starting you- line or the finish line. Yeah, I know, but there's not that much to like. Why? What do you like? Stand on the mountain and go there. They up. Oh, no, there's trees. No, so there they are. Oh, there's them. trees. Like how do you watch them? You'd have to be in the car with them. That's a good question. Maybe flee. she popped a dropped a, a ride with with one. Yeah, of them. that's true. Uh, but she's clearly on a sound stage or something because the physics of drifting seem to have no effect on on Neela. Yeah, it's very it's very like 1950s like film noir like with yeah. a back you could tell they're projecting the uh, the scene in the backdrop mm-hmm. because she's barely moving her hands. You see the background look like it's like swerving uncontrollably. <laughs> and like the sound effects is like screech like yeah, and and not to mention they've already made it like very clear. You have to pop like the clutch and you have to like yeah. you have to pull the bra- the handbrake and meanwhile stuff like they're that having. Casual she's like going around these crazy corners and uh-huh. she's not doing any of that. And I'm like, just cut to a shot of them going just right off the <laughs> right side of the mountain. The <laughs> you know? In real life, it would be something like this. <laughs> <laughs> Slow the fuck down. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And Neela died doing what she loved. <laughs> Driving just terrible. like her mother. On, leading Sean on. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, just like her mother. That's right. When her mother was a drifter and a prostitute. Well, maybe drifting of a different kind. Drifting from town to town. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let's get well, more drifting and being a prostitute it sounds okay, really yeah. dangerous. That's true. Right. Well, you're keeping your clientele different, I guess. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to look on the. the Gary, the fun stuff. proctologist. A new type of. No. Um, oh man! No, it's I. In all, in all sincerity, though, mm-hmm. despite the fact it doesn't look like she's driving, I found the sequence to be Effective. almost like hauntingly yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole like section here where it's like very kind of like that. Yeah, the, I I like how he basically says like uh, when he's driving, and then she says, uh, 
Or what is the line? Like, everything else just disappears is what she says? Yes. And she's like, no past and no future. And she's like, no problems. Just the moment. And it was like, I was like, did this fucking movie just get zen on us? It was really weird, but it was good. Well, she says that once she got her license, she practically lived on the mountain. Sean says the day he got his license was the first day, was the day he got his first speeding ticket. And the day after that, he won his first race. Which, Which, the only race we've heard of him winning, and it's off screen. (laughs) <laughs> which, well, we can which is hilarious that he's won some races yeah but uh, you're all right there has been no other visual right. proof of this so the first day he got his license he got a speeding ticket yes he's not a good driver guys no. i i would put the blame on the teacher like whoever taught him clearly didn't teach him to respect the rules of the road well, i think well, it wasn't the, his dad it was his gym teacher or his, his mom his, his yeah. driver's ed teacher Right. Coach yeah. whoever. <laughs> my gym teacher was my driver's ed teacher because I, I went to mine too. podunk Coach school. Coach Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought the lesson here is that Sean is either too confident or too dumb to let authority get in the way of what he wants to do. Because he, he was driving too fast, so he got a ticket, but he still went out and won a race the next day. Right, right. So, yeah. Thematically. He's a rebel. Sense. Yes. Without a cause or anything. And without a car at this point. <laughs> What is it, the New Yorker? <laughs> Rebel without a cars. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, yeah, they talk about how winning a race makes everything disappear, and uh, it's, it's just the moment. And, and it really feels like they're they're bonding oh, yeah. more than, This is know, the moment where they fall in love. Very possibly. And, and uh, Neela sees that there's more to Sean, a relationship with Sean, than perhaps with DK. Right. Who she was Because they're actually talking. If you notice, anytime we've ever seen DK and Neela together, they don't seem to communicate or look at one another, much like uh, our current president and his wife. Sure. So you can some see where, where that sort of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. might cause some problems. Good. That's right. 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 You have to have Can't love be. and trust, you guys, to have That's a relationship. Right. Peace, love, and understanding. That's right. And drifting. Yes. If at all possible, drifting. Uh, the next day at drifting practice, Sean is... Oh, wait. Yes. Sorry. I no, do no. have to point something out here. If you look really closely at the final shot of this, it's a helicopter shot as they pull back on the mountain, and you see them you know, going around this curve, and they disappear. The light that they shot it with, which looks like a 5K light, is like behind the tree, but it's like shining through the tree. It's very apparent if you're paying attention uh-huh. that there's a film light there because everything else is pitch black. And so it was used to illuminate the shot, but like you can see it. Yeah. It's So keep your eye out in the scene. It's a bit of a literally blooper. shining through the tree uh-huh. so brightly that it was distracting. Ah, I see. Yeah. Well, maybe it's just so they can see where they're drifting because, I mean, it was dark. Well, no, yeah. That's, I mean, obviously it, it, that was, was how dark they and lit the, street the shot. Was lit. But, you know what I mean? It's funny that the light is in the shot. Like, they couldn't mm-hmm. find a way to get it out of there. <laughs> right. So. We'll fix it in post. Uh, the next day at drifting practice, Sean is practically a drifting master at this point. He, Han and his gang aren't even paying, paying attention to him anymore. Han reads his Incredible Hulk comic book and Twinkie plays a video game. I thought it was interesting that the rest of the crew... At, earlier when he couldn't drift they're making fun of him for not being able to drift and now they're like geez can this guy stop drifting yeah. for a little bit tell this guy <laughs> to slow down now i i know universal has the rights to the uh the hulk solo movies yes mm-hmm. but like did justin lynn have any attachment to the hulk like no is he gonna direct at some point not that i'm aware of but there's a lot of hulk reference. he is though he is a massive comic book fan because he has the rights to uh, Lone Wolf and Cub and has been trying to get that Justin movie Lindos? made. Yeah, he, oh. he got the rights to Lone Wolf and Cub right after he did Tokyo Drift, actually, because it was such a big hit. So he's he's been trying to get that off the ground. I suspect after The Mandalorian took off, 
he may be able to go to Universal and say, let's make this movie now. It's, yeah, half a Mandalorian it's the Japanese, is based on this. Yeah, it's the Japanese, you know, story they base it on. Mm-hmm. So I suspect we'll see. So that that shows me that he's at least a comic book fan. So I well, think he's clearly influenced by a ton of uh, Asian cinema. And yeah, and, and 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 also, honestly, I think it's because Universal was trying to get Hulk off the ground. And they really were trying to push for, like, their own franchise. I think they popped it in there to get people excited about it. Makes sense. You know what I mean? We've got this, too, you know? <laughs> there is a lot of Hulk reference. Yeah. That's for sure. It's yeah. distracting. And not to mention, later on, what was, or depending on how, anyway, in 6, what was it where, they, like, they call it, they reference uh, Yeah, the different the Hulk, Marvel the characters different Marvel, and stuff. Marvel mm-hmm. characters, yeah. yeah. So there's definitely something there. Um, Sean finishes up another round of drifting and he hops out of the car. He tells Twink he's going to grab another set and Twinkie freaks out. He says that that's Sean's third set of tires today and they aren't cheap. Is Twinkie bankrolling this operation? Why is he so concerned about the price of tires? Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Right. Because yeah, like, I thought Han was bankrolling If Han doesn't everything. care, Twinkie, was he the, the accountant? I don't yeah, Twinkie's, Twinkie's the, <laughs> Twinkie the, the accountant, a new way of accounting. <laughs> and if I were him, I would ask a lot nicely. Like, yeah. hey, I just went through, you know, three sets of tires. Could, could I maybe have one more? Oh, if you, Sean should ask yeah. more nicely. Sean, yeah. but we just established that Sean has a problem with authority. He, he ain't asking. He's doing. But he, I, I mean, know. It's, it's, you figure, it's his you friend. Figure. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Sean's kind of a dick. Yeah, I don't like Sean. But you have to imagine I actually drifting. like him a lot. But <laughs> drifting would be hell on tires. I oh mean, yeah, I'm surprised they're not going through a set. Yeah, if you think about it, um, have you guys seen Ford versus Ferrari? No, but yes. I want to. It's, it's fucking excellent. It's, it's it's incredible. But you know, you it it really does like point out a lot. Like when you're when you're in a race, you have to stop like every four or five laps and get tires. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like Pit stops. you're going and and those aren't even drifting. You know, I mean, they're just like. Managing sure, those corners, ahead. so I mean, drifting's probably got to go through a shit ton of tires. Oh yeah, probably have to change them after every race. It's called burning rubber. Burning rubber. That's Literally. right. Literally, another murder in Glendale. Yeah, I know. Now there's some car alarm going off. Glendale so. must be the murder capital of L.A. It might be at this point. Suddenly, some other cars screech up all bad guy-like. It turns out DK and his gang have found Han's secret drifting parking lot, and you know DK is mad. Wait a minute. Was that, hmm? is that canon? It's secret? Like, nobody knew they were there? I may, oh, okay. I mean, well, no, because I was, the, the only reason why I asked us, because I didn't, I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was secret. I was trying to figure out where they, well, did. no one else knows Okay, there. sorry. Go ahead. Okay. And you know DK is mad because he's in a black, a black tank top. That means I I'm always yeah. mad. I, I didn't pick up on that. Well, it's true. They do. They do a lot of lot of color coordinating in this movie with people's clothing. So yeah, I guess that's symbolic of his fury. Most much like the secretness of the uh, the parking lot. I was partially joking. Okay, but could be something there. I just think like it's he's very much in tough guy mode. That's but you know the color does obviously you guys know this as as filmmakers you know there's a, there's hats, even an entire hats. book called If It's Purple, Someone's Gonna Die, which is about the use of color symbolism in movies. So, yeah, it's probably symbolizing his anger, you know, or his, that he's he's gone full, you know, pissed or whatever. Yeah, there's always a meaning behind the clothes. But I thought Red was supposed to be angry because I'm wearing red and I'm very angry. Always, always upset. Always. Yeah. Like, Calm down, Anthony. It's just a just podcast. Relax. I am it's out of my smoothie <laughs> and I am, I am upset he's about He's hulking it. out, guys. When the smoothie's done, things get rough. It's the best I can do. Um, that needs to be a tagline on a DVD. In Tokyo, <laughs> speed has no definition or whatever that fucking yeah, tagline is. Speed has no translation. Yeah. As uh, the 
I'm pretty news sure it probably does. Helicopter flies over us. DK makes a beeline directly for Sean. Han tries to casually stop him by suggesting he take a seat while they roast marshmallows. And Twinkie tries to get him to stop too, but DK ignores them both and instead decks Sean right in the kisser. We watched this on a 10-inch screen. Were they actually roasting marshmallows? Not that I could see. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. No, but it's it's Han just being very flippant and trying. Because at the, up until this point, he's been controlling DK pretty well. You know what I mean? Remember when DK was like, dude, where's the shipment? And he was like, man, relax. It's coming. You know, he's the one who's always like calming DK down. Right, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't antagonize him by suggesting something that they're clearly not doing. I mean, <laughs> I I think Han has a death wish. That could be. He probably really. does have a death wish. I mean, after the death of his the true love of his life. He he does seem Who to be they pretty, didn't know about uh, yet. Right. Well, his his group of his gang He's don't haunted, know about damn he it. Tell him. He's haunted. <laughs> he is haunted, Anthony. You can tell by Sun Kang's soulful eyes. He doesn't even want to be on this earth anymore. That's why else would he get uh, you know tied up in this uh Yeah, who's the scheme? That's right. You may have a point, Anthony. But you're also right, Anthony. They didn't know about that. And also, calm down. It's just a podcast. DK gives Sean a pretty good beating. Everyone can only stand and watch. DK tells Sean to stay away from her, or the only thing he'll be driving is a wheelchair. I thought that was a really good film noir kind of line. I, I like it, too, but at the same time, I, I was asking myself, do you do you drive a wheelchair? Is that the right verb? I think do you but, operate but, 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 a wheelchair? But if he said, yeah, but does, does that make any sense no, within no. the context? It's getting, it's stay getting away from her, or you'll be oper- or the only thing you'll be operating is a wheelchair. doesn't sound the same. You know what I mean? It's got a good film noir sound. I actually thought this could be like a Robert Mitchum line in a movie. Stay away from her, you know. Mm-hmm. The only thing you'll be driving is a wheelchair. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's got like a tough guy sure. dialogue. You know, it's it's good good noir dialogue for I would movie. agree. There's a lot of good kind of noir lines. And then when he said when he goes, Wakataka, that's uh do you understand? I was hoping you would know because yes. I have no idea. Yeah, he he was basically like, Stay away from her, understand? Yeah. Got it. Like it's like the capiche. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yes. Nice. Uh, DK tells Han to find himself a new driver. Morimoto spits his gum in Twinkie. Well, it's not Twinkie's face, kind of like the back of his head. Really. He hits him like in the ear because yeah. he grabs his ear like it hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, dude, Morimoto is a fucking asshole. Which this, this scene was the first day of filming, and that was not planned. That's amazing. Yeah. I have a feeling that this guy, he, because he's such a different character when he's in Westworld. Totally. I, I almost hated notice. his character in Westworld because he was so weak. But in this, he has that, uh, so he's, it, it's got a very Takashi uh, Mike kind of feel to it, like Ichi the Killer, like that wildness that he brought to the Yakuza in those movies. They all had the, you know, the Hawaiian shirts and stuff. He's got that wildness, and I loved when he did that because Twinkie genuinely looked like surprised that he got hit and like almost hurt by it. And uh, yeah, he just he's he very good in this 15 minute. Like it made me realize how closely Justin Lin worked with everybody to give them character even if they didn't have a lot of lines like Morimoto is a pretty fully realized character even well, though he doesn't really do a lot Justin Lin really seems to he implies that it was all Leo what's his name yeah that he, that's like, amazing every time he was in a scene it was like you never know what he knew what he was going to do because he'd always bring something that's unexpected. awesome yeah. I like that yeah I like that. And we're also, by the way, delving. I made a, uh, a joke about Karate Kid a couple of weeks ago, but it sort of is Karate Kid territory. If you think about it, DK is Johnny, and Morimoto is like uh, Dutch. 
and uh, Sean is Daniel, and Neela is Allie. And but Johnny he's wasn't basically, involved in any actual crime. No, I know, <laughs> but but like but like this kid's shown up from out of nowhere and stolen his girlfriend. He's like he's reacting the only way a guy would, which is fucking angrily or violently. You know what I mean? Well, not the only way, but you know what I mean. He's mm-hmm. reacting like a movie villain would. Sean says he's all right. Han says that Sean didn't just play with fire. He soaked the matches in gasoline. Twinkie is very disappointed. They just yeah. want him to go after a regular uh, or uh, another chick. Leave yeah. this one alone. I think I think Twinkie's entire raison d'etre for the rest of the movie <laughs> uh-huh. is to just look at everyone disappointedly. I know he's always that's just all he does now. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not like damn he's fool. the greatest actor on the planet. Yeah. I mean, you know, he didn't graduate Juilliard. He was start. He's just starting out. Yeah, this was exactly. Young, young Wow. He's no Michael B. Jordan. That's right. He's not thespian Bow Wow. He's just no. Bow Wow at this thespian point. Thespian Bow Wow. He's he's gonna <laughs> listen to this wow. podcast and just be like, I'm really hurt by that, guys. Luckily, I'm young enough. I can go to Juilliard. He's gonna come back and be he's the greatest Shakespearean bow, actor. Wow. We've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Master actor Bow Wow. Yes. It's it's the master (laughs) class. Master class acting with Bow Wow. I'm going to show you guys how to really do it. In my role as Twinkie, I really brought a lot of emotion. For example, you look really disappointed. (laughs) I just think about that time my mom burnt my mac and cheese. Like, if you need to talk about supermodels, think about them as being really pretty, and that will come out in the way you say supermodels. That's right. Any bar you visit can be Disneyland for adults. (laughs) I'm Bow Wow, and this is my master class. We just wrote his entire commercial. He should be paying us. At school, Neela sees Sean's freshly bruised face and decides to angrily confront DK about it. He's in his little office, counting money with uh, some escorts, apparently, when Neela barges in and tells him that it's over. Yeah, and I love the fact DK's got some balls, dude. He's got a girl that he's like, look, you're my girlfriend, you're mine. (laughs) And he's got, like, bitches on his lap. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, what an asshole. Which is kind of a trope. I I mean, possibly even in real life. But It's like the gangster's mall. Yeah, you know what I mean? But I mean, that's like... No one, like he's got his Goombas or yeah, whatever, if yeah. that's even the right term. But I mean, <laughs> what a blatant... You know what I mean? It's like so disrespectful to like have a girl who considers... You know, maybe he doesn't consider her his girlfriend, but she considers him I, yeah, her boyfriend. Yeah, the weird thing you know? is their interactions. It's like, yeah, you can't see other people and I want you with me and everything. But yeah, and then he's, he's not like, taking her on dates. They don't seem romantically, really romantically involved. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. He's the girl that... Or she's the girl... That gets left at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like DK. Fun. DK probably paraphrases the uh, Mitch Hedberg joke. I don't have a girlfriend, but I do know a girl who'd be really mad if she heard me say that. <laughs> yeah, if she heard that joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, DK, uh, no. DK says something in Japanese. Did you pick that one up? Uh, I, I, it was choto something. I, uh, they, they repeat that a lot. Um, I did not look up that phrase. I, I because because it seemed it was more clear. Like he's basically like get out of the room. Yeah, he just tells him to leave. You know, it's, it, again, it's the, the leave, leave bitches. Yeah, Remember that line exactly. that uh, Wesley Snipes? Leave bitches. <laughs> and uh, DK says to Neela, "All this over a gaijin? And oh, she says, "Wait, that she's I got to point out again. If you're watching the scene, 
to get the brilliance of the Morimoto character. Watch the little gesture he does behind Neela's head before he leaves. It's just this weird little flourish where he like smooths his hair back and it's looks fine. at DK. No, but I mean he like looks at DK like you're gonna let her do this kind of thing. You know, it it really is really good character work. I just I'm I, I was very impressed by this guy in this in this. He's, he's doing minutes. stuff. He's out yeah. there. He's making choices. No, he's because he did what what a good actor should do. Most people would be like, oh, I'm the sidekick. I I don't have anything to do in this movie. He's like in every scene I'm gonna do something that gets me fucking noticed and he does and I think that's really cool he wants to be on Westworld he's that's gonna right. get noticed to be that's on right. Westworld that's right Which is, I know and then he gets onto Westworld and totally they, they were like you are not to do any of your improvisation on the set you're gonna play I, well, a nebbish. I mean, and he's I see like, okay. it now, but like at the, before you pointed it out, like I just I could. He's such a different character in Westworld. Yeah, and, you know, even physically. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, very good. Uh, but yeah, so Neela says that she is a guy gene and that DK has changed. DK gives her the old "We're not so different, you and I" line. Mm-hmm. He says that they're both products of fuck ups. He says that Neela's mom was the best trick in all of Kabukicho back in the day. According to rumor, I imagine. I don't think he has firsthand knowledge of right. this. And he says that if his family hadn't taken her in, he, she'd be just like her mom, doing anything for a buck, Anthony. Like sex. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> Anal. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we always have to come back to that in the end. <laughs> In zing, the end, hi yo. Oh man, what are you, terrible. Gary, the fun proctologist? <laughs> Everything works out in the end at Gary, the fun proctologist. <laughs> this guy needs to call us to advertise for him. There, um, what if there really is a Gary, the proctologist out there listening, who's just like, "Fuck you guys! I take my job very seriously, and I wash my hands after every examination." Well, he can email us at so fast so furious podcast <laughs> at gmail dot com and let us know. Fill us in. Not literally, of course. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Neela slaps DK and says no one would take a second look at him if it wasn't for his uncle. Vito vehemently disagreed with this. No, you know, I mean, I was like, look, the guy's not that bad looking. No. I mean, he's a six foot he, tall he reminds Japanese me of Bert guy. From Sesame Street, he's got charisma, you know. Yeah. Well, he and Mo- Morimoto is uh, fucking Ernie. Are Could they be. the first? Tokyo triad, not triad, but Tokyo Yakuza gay couple. Bert and Ernie are not gay, they're roommates. Mm. And best yes. friends. And best friends. And longtime companions. Yeah. Who we share toothbrushes. We have a whole podcast about and, why and Bert baths. and Ernie are not. not that I'm, Welcome I'm to the Bert and Ernie podcast. I'm all, I'm all Hi, for ho, it. Hi, this is Kermit the Frog, and we're uh, in our inaugural <laughs> episode of the... No, folks, Jordan, Jordan Peterson insider. did not just show up on the show. That was a Kermit the Frog impersonation. Well, I would just like to say I fully support gay individuals. I just never interpreted that as as a gay relationship. That's because you're not gay. Could be. But then again, I'm not they gay either, so why beds. would I notice they it? They slept in separate beds. Can we change beds? the subject, please? I'm feeling very uncomfortable right now. They never took no. a bath together. That's, that's very <clears throat> On camera. Well, Rubber Ducky wouldn't have it. Why was he in the fucking room with him when he was taking a, sh- a bath? Do you go into the room with your roommate while he's taking a shower? I don't have a roommate. I have a girlfriend. We need to figure out. We need oh. to mark the time code at this point. <laughs> no, I'm just being stupid. Twenty-seven oh six. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, Neela slaps him, and uh, says that no one would take a second look at him if it wasn't for his uncle. This really pisses DK off, and he gets his big nose right in her face. He says the difference between them is that he knows who he is and where he belongs. 
I thought that this scene kind of nailed uh, the themes of the of the film together pretty well. You know, the theme, the idea, you know, that the Yakuza's are the outsiders. They obviously have Sean as an outsider, Neil as an outsider, and this this movie is about but in finding different ways. Yeah, and have. it's and the idea of the movie, you know, is really about like finding where you belong and and getting there. You know, because like yeah. Sean's never really belonged anywhere, but now that he's in Japan and he's met Han and he's kind of found this thing, he's found his place, mm-hmm. and Neela found her place. With you know, the drifters and things like that, yeah. yeah so it's, it's so the movie is about outsiders like figuring out their own like weird little families and stuff, which is cool. And you realize that DK is also kind of a weird, you know what I mean? He's he's probably he's an outsider in his own way. He's an outsider, well, especially in the next scene when his uncle shows up. He's not a real. You see Yakuza. that he's not treated like he's an insider with his uncle. So it gives a lot of like real character depth to this guy in one scene, which is mm-hmm. very interesting. And he's a lot more uh he's a lot more fully realized I think than a lot of villains in movies, sure. you know, Especially who just show up to series. cackle. Yeah. Yeah, what do you know really about like uh Luke Shaw, you know what I mean? That he's a very handsome man. You mean Owen Shaw? Owen Shaw. Yeah, sorry. Why did I say Luke Shaw? I don't know. Luke Hobbs. Well, I think of Luke Hobbs. Evans. Look, Luke nobody's Evans. names, nobody's names or Shaw. characters matter in these movies. It's of just they family. They all mean something. There's hitting meanings everywhere. I just love Luke Evans. He's a good guy. Well, let's just, yeah. Back at Han's garage. Except for his big nose. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Sean and the crew are working on a car when Neela comes work, uh, walking up. She goes. Sean goes up to her and can tell she's been crying. He tells her to come in. So she is walking up, she's her his hat now. in her hand, not literally. Right, just just uh, needs some someone a, cr- a shoulder to cry on. She's his woman now. That's right. DK has lost her forever. She made her choice. That's Sean's right. gonna swoop in. That's right. That's right. I'll be here. You know, if you need anybody to talk to, I'm right need here. Need a shoulder Neela. to cry on. Yeah. I'll be a, right, a big be mouth right to cheer. smooch on. You know. Make out with me, you know. Han's garage. That's right. Back at the pachinko parlor where DK's little hideout is, a large limousine pulls up and some very Mercedes limo. Yes, it's a Mercedes limousine. Is that extra expensive? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's at least five or ten times more expensive than an average limousine. Makes sense. Yeah, and some very important-looking men step out. Yes, the scene is very cool. But please go on, and I'll, I'll elaborate. Yes, uh, they walk through the back. DK's men instantly get up and stand at attention, so this is clearly important people. They head towards DK's office, and DK hears the commotion. He knows they're coming, and he grabs some money from a nearby safe and then stands at the doorway. Uh, it's Morimoto and him and a couple of uh, other henchmen, and they're waiting for this guy. Yeah, so the way that it's shot, like the first guy that gets out of the car is basically going to be the right-hand man to the Oyabun. He's this older gentleman. He's got a, a shaved head. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's very elegantly dressed. He's got a very nice suit he's on. He's carrying like a ledger with it. Yeah, and then on the other side, another guy gets out who's also an older gentleman who is also wearing a really nice suit he's the bodyguard he's going to be the guy rougher yeah he's the bodyguard he's going to make sure that nobody's gonna like harm the oyabun the other guy is his like uh it would be like his consigliere the bald guy Mm -hmm. and then the young kid that gets out he's if you notice he's like a street tough Mm -hmm. he's wearing a leather jacket he's really scruffy and stuff like that and that's the driver he's Uh, he's one of the kids that they've got to get out well, he, he has to get out and he has to, you know, like accompany them. And the driver is basically like he's the low man on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, like there was this distinct 
thing that happened with the Yakuza, especially in like the 80s, where the kids, the younger Yakuza started like breaking from tradition. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see guys like Morimoto and all those guys wearing like Hawaiian shirts and stuff. They became enamored with American culture at that time, particularly like the Polynesian and the Tiki like stuff. So they would always do that and they'd like put stuff in their hair to make their hair look more American or they'd like make it into afros and stuff. It was really bizarre. And so like the older Yakuza would always be impeccably dressed in suits and these young guys were like rougher around the edges so the Don't idea like their shirts all in. of that stuff in that shot is really indicative it shows like this older generation is clashing with the younger generation which is like Morimoto and and Takashi and all these guys and how they don't really respect each other like the older ones like particularly resented the younger guys that came up that they were breaking with tradition and stuff mm -hmm. and all of that is in this like shot and mm -hmm. in the scene so i really pay you know homage to uh Justin Lin here because like he really has an attention to detail well, it's he just did, even astounding in the commentary talks about like how accurate he wanted to be with uh the the yakuza stuff and yeah. that he one of his goals when he was in Tokyo was he wanted to meet a yakuza uh kingpin or whatever the term is and o that he Oyabun. actually Oyabun, yeah, yeah and that he actually got to meet one and that uh, you know to talk about it it is interesting just how they differently they kind of think of the yakuza as say compared to organized crime here where yeah. it's like if somebody's like oh yeah I want to go talk to a mafia don it's like okay you weirdo they would i think they would let you do it here too you have to go through the channels you know but in, yeah, but in japan the there's that weird thing where like of, or maybe there is i don't know well that you know when the, when the uh when the when the uh uh tsunami hit the uh the japanese government like hemhawed for like four days but like literally the next morning all of these thousands of trucks pulled up the yakuza gave people blankets and That's like what I'm and, the and, american and, mafia you know what i mean so they here. had yeah exactly yeah there's there's an honor system there and the weird thing is is like even though a lot of japanese people you know feign this disdain towards the yakuza there's a weird respect there too because again if you're not fucking with the yakuza they will never mess with you you know what i mean like they they're not going to kill somebody innocent mm -hmm. you have to really cross them and and fuck them up to have them come after you so you're very safe around them versus anything else mm. so Makes i don't sense. know well, a man in a white suit and hat enters the office. He's and not DK, just a man. That is Sonny fucking Chiba. Yeah. Uncle, he, uh, DK greets him as Uncle Kamata. So this is the real Yakuza in the movie. Dude, okay, so I am a massive Sonny Chiba fan, as you guys know. Mm -hmm. I was able to finally meet yeah, him. Yeah, met him. Dude, he was fucking amazing. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, Sonny Chiba, for those of you who may not know, if you do not know who Sonny Chiba is, please go out and rent some of his old movies. The man is a legend in what Japan. What did we see when we met him? We we saw Doberman Cop. Yeah, Doberman yeah. Cop. So so in Japan, uh, Sonny Chiba was the answer to Bruce Lee. He was the Bruce Lee of Japan, but he was much more brutal because Bruce Lee had just died. Yeah, well, and they, they were trying to compete with you know with mm. Bruce Lee's movies and stuff like that. So in 1973, he had a movie called The Street Fighter, which is fucking amazing. It's the film that they're watching in True Romance when uh, Patricia Arquette picks up uh, the Clarence character. They're watching The Street Fighter on screen. He did like four sequels. They made all of them in one year. It was The Street Fighter, Return of the Street Fighter, The Street Fighter's Last Revenge, and Sister Street Fighter. Nice. And then he went on to uh, do other films such as Golgo 13, Bullet Train, which was ripped off and made into speed uh doberman cop shadow warriors where he played uh uh, uh hattori hanzo which show who shows up in kill bill played by sunny chiba samurai reincarnation um he's just really amazing keanu reeves uh 
considers him to be his icon. And there's a really great YouTube video you can yeah, find I've seen this. where he, they're they're interviewing Keanu Reeves in Japan, and they're like, "Who's your hero?" And he's like, oh, "It's Sonny Chiba." And then Sonny Chiba like comes out, and surprises him, and you see how like mm-hmm. awestruck he is. It's really cool. But Sonny Chiba's the man, and he's great in this scene. It's good stuff. Yeah, this was like. A- well, they said that they wanted, because it's such a small part, they needed somebody that could, or an actor that could really emphasize the importance of his role. And he has massive presence on screen in this yeah. in this scene. Huge gravitas. Yeah, no, he's, and that's the amazing thing about him, too, is that he is considered to be a, a real actor in Japan. They don't just look at him as an action star. He does dramas. He does comedies. He can, he, he really is, I, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I'm fanboying really bad, because I, I love Sonny Chiba. Like, he's one of... My favorites. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. More people should know. Oh, and by the way, too, please pay attention to his white uniform, his suit. That's not a traditional Yakuza uniform. Uh, white symbolizes death in Japan. Mm. So traditionally, a Yakuza Oyabun would wear black. But I think that Sonny Chibi is known for his flamboyance. You know, he probably was like, I, don't, I want to wear a white suit. Mm-hmm. And who's going to say no to him? Well, DK says he was just about to go see him. Uh, one of the henchmen, the, the bald one you mentioned, uh, hands Kamado, Kamada the ledger, and then everyone but DK and Kamada leave the office. And you notice how, how referential uh, Morimoto is, too. He's an asshole to everybody, but when Kamata's coming, he bows his fucking head and gets the fuck out of there. <laughs> so you know that <laughs> this is... He's not an idiot. Yeah, you know that this is a man of importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, DK tries to give Kamada last week's take, but Kamada doesn't seem interested. DK offers Kamada a chair and he sits down. He pulls out the ledger and he says he doesn't understand of half of what he's looking at. And he kind of laughs about it though. And DK says it looks complicated, but not as I forget the exact line. Yeah, but it's not, it's as, not complicated as complicated as it, as it looks. looks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Kamada then says, "So how is it that even he can figure out that DK's partner is stealing from him?" And I know it's because for the movie, but it is kind of like, well, how does he know that it's Han stealing? It's, it's interesting right. that he doesn't kind of grill uh dk first i i would look at that just from if you look at it from the japanese point of view it would be absolutely dishonorable for him to steal from his family member the oyabun of a of a of a crime organization is considered to be like the father so the the men in his organization he literally will call son yeah so there's such a strong bond there i don't think that they would steal from one another if you stealing from your oyabun is like a massively dishonorable thing to do and besides like han just kind of showed up you know like not that long ago Sure, and he's also Korean, and and there's a, mm. a big racial divide mm. in Japan between Koreans and Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it he would he would suspect him first. Yeah, it would have been interesting if it was DK like stealing the money. But then, I mean, it's got to be yeah. For the story, though, mm. I guess it has to be yeah. you know them against him. Yeah, but yeah, it was just kind of entered my by, mind. By the way, in uh, the traditional Italian mob, it's actually considered not a good thing but it's expected that your men below you are going to steal so they basically budget this is this is true they budget in to their like projections for the year that like it's something like eight or ten percent of the money is going to get stolen so they they expect that and it's actually looked upon as admirable considering that you don't take too much when you take Uh, too much that's when they show up and they go hey Vinny, you know come on you're 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 skimming from but it is it really is weird they're always like they they do they do steal from their superiors all the way up, and mm-hmm. it's expected. But in Japan, that is not done. DK grabs the ledger, looking it over. He says that even if that were true, it couldn't have been much, or he would have noticed it. 
Kamada is reminded of an old saying. He says, for want of a nail, a horseshoe was lost. For want of a horseshoe, the steed was lost. For want of a steed, the message was not delivered. And for want of an undelivered message, uh, message the war was lost. More of a parable than a saying, perhaps. Because I knew where they were going, but I was just like, all right, come on. I didn't understand there what may was have, being said. There, well, there because, may have been a translation, though, difference, well, too. Well, even though, like, because a, a, a nail is such an insignificant thing, but even without that small piece, they want they lost the whole war because yeah. of this cause Yeah, because, because they you. weren't able to put the horseshoe on the horse, and so they didn't have a the horse, guy came and he was like, I need a horse, and they were like, we don't have one ready, so yeah, the yeah. war is lost. Yeah, so, so you can't deliver the message. I would argue that they probably should have had more horses. Don't you understand Moving fucking on. philosophy? <laughs> I know. Damn you, Peseta. Well, no, then, the, then the saying doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. DK is, is fuming. He's very emotional here. Kamata picks up a photograph, and it's got uh, two men in it. And uh, D, He says, DK <laughs> picks up a photograph and tells DK that he misses DK's father. So clearly it's a picture of them as younger men. And it's also like a really deep cut to DK, yeah. too, because he's just like... Too bad your dad's not here. Yeah, because None you're not living happened. up to that. Yeah, potential. it's it's a really fucking like stab to the to liver. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, DK's Ew. just crying and like pissed and. It's well, it's, it's it's if you think about it, it is true. Like, you, your face is everything, and now DK has lost face. That's mm-hmm. the one thing in Japan. If you if you, have you guys seen the movie Rising Sun with mm-hmm. uh, Sean Connery and uh, Wesley Snipes? Wesley Snipes. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in there where uh, Sean Connery's character. Uh, he's a he's a lived in Japan for a long time, and he's you know in in very well with like the Japanese people and stuff. And he screams at the subordinate, you know, this is unacceptable, you know, whatever. And and the guy runs off, you know, looking embarrassed. And they say he's like, why did you yell at that guy? You embarrassed him. And he goes, no, what I did. Everybody knows that it was the boss who fucked up, but by my yelling at the subordinate and humiliating him, I've saved the boss face, and now he owes me a favor. And so like. DK has lost face. Like mm-hmm. he he now looks really bad mm-hmm. in front of the man he's been trying to impress. That's grounds for like killing somebody at that point. Right. Yeah. So And uh DK uh standing there, Kamada stands and walks out, and DK bows as he passes. And uh, back at Hans, Sean and Neil are having some some hot tea, not talking, and suddenly some cars come screeching into the garage. Hans' face is all like, what the fuck? Yeah, he because he, he, I think he knows, he knows what's the going on. Do you guys, by the way, did you feel bad for DK in that scene? Well, I, think I, I honestly to, like the best bad guys have, you know, a motivation, and it's it's good to see yeah, humanity I mean, because he he basically was like he's under a lot of pressure. He trusted this guy, mm-hmm. and the dude fucked him over, and now, I mean, we're talking like he probably has to go back to his uncle and do the the pinky ritual where he's a chop. I mean, this is like a serious fucking thing. You know what I mean? So. No, I mean, you're I right. Just, if I it was really if it wasn't a blood relation, I would yeah. I would say maybe he'll he would get out of it if because he's blood related, so he won't have to cut <laughs> his pinky off. This is Japan, my friend. Yeah, I know, but you know, yeah. there's ways around it. And it was more. It wasn't. Maybe you would know more than me, but like, wasn't the isn't the pinky thing a bit outdated th- at this point? Oh no, 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 no. no? They're still yakuza they still do today, it, but I think it. it's not as. Eh, you would know more. They still do it today. There's. I men, believe you. They they actually there's a thriving prosthetic business in Japan where where former yakuza pinkies? yes former yakuza can buy these like realistic looking pinkies and other digits because Tony they cut Iomi's off more than one fake digits and yeah. <laughs> 
Step, come right in. <laughs> it's Gary's fake digits. He's he's also he's got the fake digits he uses for the prostate uh, exams right. and stuff. They're but, uh, they're uh, disposable. Was disposable that a real disgrace proctologist? If you could tell me if that was a real finger or a pro- a prosthetic finger. Your exam is free. <laughs> prosthetic, ladies, give this man a free uh, consultation. Sorry. DK and Morimoto right. get out of the cars. Neela and Sean look all nervous at each other. Han smiles and says, hey, brother. DK punches him in the face, and he's right up in his face there, and he says, I vouched for you. He put his reputation on the line. They were partners. Very, very upset about this turn of events. Yeah, he's lost face, man. He's fucked. Yeah. yeah. This is not good for DK. Right. Was there? It's not good for Han either. No, that's true. Yeah. Was there, like, any hint that Han was doing this before that scene? To us, the viewer? or. Yeah. Uh, no. There's only really. that line where he says that I'm using you as DK's kryptonite. Yeah, it's to keep to keep Kamada off of me, basically. Mm. Yeah, but I, but uh, that was kind of a hard line to read because I was right. taking it as uh, I didn't know whether to take it as he was being left alone completely or he was just having to give up the half. Right. And I, I couldn't really tell specifically what he was saying there. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, there was of... the implication that he, and even though he's partners with DK, he clearly doesn't want DK too too close. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah, so there, I think that was implied there, but you don't understand what it means till now. Yeah, there was no specifics, but he was clearly using DK for something. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was kind of the hint, too, where uh, they were in the office at one point, and DK's like, you're late, and he's like, eh, relax. So it's fair to assume that Han was up to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think we still Which really we know. never really find exactly. out what it was, which is Stealing. funny. Sending money back to the Toretto's. <laughs> That's right. I still owe you dumb. <laughs> I'm sending it to the, the Yashars. Dude, <laughs> can you parents. imagine? Yeah. Like, like this shot Giselle's of Dom. Funeral expenses. <laughs> I was going to say, he's, Dom shows up at the Western Union, and it's like, dear Dom, stop. Please use this money for Giselle's headstone. Stop. Make it a good one. Stop. And then he gets a message back from Dom. Who? Stop. <laughs> So wrong. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Family, stop. <laughs> Look, I got a headstone with the Giselle on it. It's not all what we wanted. This is a gazelle, you idiot. <laughs> There's even a picture of a prancing gazelle on it. <laughs> hey, sorry guys. I uh I misread the I misread the, I I misread the uh the <laughs> the piece of paper. I can't read your handwriting. <laughs> Han says, Han tells DK. Blame it on Western Union. There's like a (laughs) Japanese guy who's like, Gazelle? No, Giselle. Gazelle? Giselle. Mm -hmm. Gazelle. Yeah, there's a whole uh, uh, Monty Python skit. Uh, Han tells DK they are not in the Boy Scouts, and this is what they do. Kind of like what you were saying. It's like. It's almost expected. I mean, it's clearly yeah. wasn't expected, the but line, Han is playing way, it off as though it's like, hey. He has that, like, brutality to it, too, at that point. He's like, hey, man, we ain't the Boy Scouts. This yeah. is what we do. He gets really – It's there's almost Defensive. like a maniacal look in his face mm-hmm. there. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, and Neela goes down and tries to calm down DK, but instead he pulls a gun on Han, and he says, what about now? Is this what we do? I gotta say, this is again good dialogue here. It's pretty yeah. believable stuff considering how kind of cliche. He probably the, should have just shot Han on the face. At that probably, point. but but again, did he really want to? I th- oh, I think I, I mean, think I he's mean, obligated to it. Yeah, that point. I guess he does. I mean, I guess he could have just had it swept under the carpet and stuff. But Han does say whether it's true or not. He says you need me. Well, so that's, there's got to be some truth to that. But again, he can't sweep it under the carpet because the the uncle now. The un- he has to basically. I mean, from like the actual up, you have an- Okay, yeah, but yeah, in 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 the context of the yakuza, like 
he has to kill him and then take him proof hey i killed this man the head that's of how you Han. get back to your yeah in 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 battle it would have been the head back in the day but like he he really does have to he should kill him so his uncle will bring him back in or he'll be an outcast and can't well you know, han come says back. you'd still be shaking down tea houses for chump chains if it wasn't for me so kind of in fact, he, we could we could assume that he used his learnings from Dom and the family to pass those on to DK. Yeah. Here's what I learned from a man named Don Toretto. Yeah, exactly. In my head cannon, that's what happened anyway. Uh, in response to this, DK cocks his gun, so he's getting real serious now. Yeah. Cock that gun. She right yells, "Yamate!" Which I looked up, which is stop. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. I actually knew that because there's a joke in. Uh, YouTube web series I, I watch where they say um, Yamate. Ah, and they explain what it means. Yeah. That's good. It's good when they explain it. Because <laughs> I don't speak Japanese. I'd like to. Um, no freezer, Yamate. Twinkie, uh, the resourceful one, he sneaks off and hits the button to shut the garage doors. It distracts a DK long enough for Han to knock the gun out of DK's hand and punch him. Gives him a receipt for that That's right. punch earlier. Gives I mean, him a receipt. No, that's, that's good. That's good uh, dialogue. That's, exactly. Here's that's your receipt. Wrestling terminology. That's right. Oh, I did if, not uh, know you that. You accidentally get hit too hard in a match. You can hit the guy back, and that's your receipt. In real, so in real life, obviously. Yeah, like, I mean that's a real term. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, it's Dono Yamate. That's what it is. Sean punches Morimoto. Everyone scatters. Sean and Neela get into Sean's car, and they take off. And uh, there's a really cool uh, kind of shot here where the, the driver, he drives through the, because one of the garage doors didn't close all the way because one of uh, DK's cars was parked right under it. So Han, or uh, Sean's able to get through. Well, but first they run over Morimoto. Oh, right. Yeah, because Morimoto, dude, you guys, this reminded me of something that I'd forgotten since high school. I hope that the statute of limitations does not apply. <laughs> but I was traveling with a buddy of mine and we pulled we pulled over we cut a guy off and the dude chased us and he got out of his car and got in front of the car with a bottle and started smashing my buddy's uh front uh of his car and my buddies went and he went over the car like Morimoto and we just drove off and I was like you almost fucking killed a man hello 911 I would like to report a really old crime (laughs) I got a cold case for you the guy's listening to this he's like you son of a bitch I knew I'd find you I've got a prosthetic leg from Gary because of you Han makes a run for his car and drives off, leaving behind a couple of DK's goons. And uh, yes, you were right. before Sean can drive out, Morimoto steps in front of them and kicks his bumper. So Sean runs into him, sending Morimoto right over the hood. Right over the hood. One of the and uh, the garage is is only halfway shut, so uh, they drive through it. But the stunt driver had to drive through these two sort of columns and uh, did it in one shot, apparently. So this whoever yeah, that was an amazing it, little stuff. drift. Yeah. yeah. There's some great stunt driving this movie. Absolutely. Like fantastic. Yeah. And I mean it's kind of, it's it's a sign of how good it is, but it's hard to tell. I mean, I guess it's all practical. I don't know if they used any for, according to Justin Lin, those stunts are, are all done in camera, so. I like it. Good stuff. Um DK and Morimoto make it to their cars, and as Sean pulls out onto the road, he finds himself right behind Han. DK and Morimoto trail them. So it's Han, Sean, and Neela and then DK, and then Morimoto in this chase. You know what's Anthony's interesting, guys? <laughs> you know what's interesting about this? What? Is earlier in the movie, 
When Sean asks Han why it ever races, he says it's because it's got to be for something that means something or for something important. And now he's racing for his life. But again, I would say this is more of a, a running for his life than racing. I mean, it's not like Just they're racing. go with it, man. <laughs> but, you know, but we had the people said, listening were like, wow, Vito, that was a really good observation until you fucked it up. But we had said or talked about earlier how it, it, it did seem like there based on that speech he gave earlier about needing something important to race for, that there would have been a moment where he has right. to actually where like, make that decision. Now you race, and if you yeah. lose, we kill you. Because he is yeah, thrust into this scenario with yeah, no real... Yeah, he's racing for his life. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Thank you. That is a good point. Thank you for your concession, <laughs> Zach. I um, expect your handwritten apology in cursive. I'll, I'll send Flourishing you a, cursive. I'll send you a gift. Sent to me through the mail. They somehow uh, end up in a junkyard briefly where they're driving around, driving through stacks of tires, and then they're back on the main streets with all the traffic to avoid. They're this was a genuinely thrilling uh, yeah. chase, in my opinion. Especially, the again, there are shots of them going through that tunnel, mm-hmm. and they're drifting around the uh, the traffic. It mm-hmm. looks super dangerous. Like there, there had to have been a lot of choreography involved with oh, this sure. for people not to get hurt. And this was uh, apparently actually filmed on Wilshire Boulevard. What? So they, re- they redressed it for uh, Tokyo. Wait a minute. So that underpass is the famous underpass you see in every movie ever from sure. downtown. It's downtown LA coming out of uh, Little Tokyo headed. I'm uh, sure I've seen it. Headed but... west mm-hmm. off of uh, 3rd Street is that mm-hmm. tunnel. Holy crap. Yeah, so I don't. I forget the exact reason they said, but for whatever reason, they had to shoot in uh, L.A. and that it was really hard to find buildings that could uh, be repurposed as Tokyo, and that uh, L.A. Why not just CGI it? it damn it! He's well, he's, he's it was he's convincing no nonetheless. Yeah, it yeah, I wouldn't convincing. have questioned it. Absolutely. They're weaving in and out of traffic more than necessary, to be honest. I mean, it's they're really making a show out of this, you know. Yeah, it's for dramatic around. purposes. Narrowly missing all the other vehicles. Morimoto rams into Sean from behind and tries to sw- sideswipe him. A taxi appears in front of Morimoto, so he pulls around to miss it and ends up crashing head-on into another car. And another car. And then, like, two more cars. Did you see, by the way, the shot that they show of, of uh, DK? DK? DK, unlike everyone else in this series, dude, DK genuinely looks concerned that his friend has just had a horrible head-on collision. In the rest of the movies, you'll see, like, like Tyrese will hit a car like that, and Brian's like, uh, hit... He'll be all right. They just keep going. You know, it's like they don't even give a shit. No. This guy, the villain, is the one who's concerned about his friend. Totally. In More the other movies, there's just like a quick glance. Yeah, they're like, just oh, the, shit. Yeah. He'll, he'll be, be okay. Right. Yeah, he's yeah, only right. a flesh wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not dead unless we show it on camera. Superhero. That's right. He'll be fine. Now DK is even more emotional. They keep driving, driving, driving. Han, then Sean and Neela, followed by DK through the busy streets of Tokyo. DK catches up with Sean and sideswipes him a couple of times. Han sees this, and he purposely breaks in front of DK, giving Sean room to get away. Han's thinking. That's right. And as they continue on, Sean suddenly finds himself approaching the busiest street walk in the world, Shibuya Square. Dude, this is amazing. This sequence is really cool. I mean, how many people would you say are in that... uh, square there thousands a couple of thousands i mean thousands of people yeah because it cuts to that like long shot that that aerial view of the shot there's like thousands of people gathered in that uh that spot absolutely and i mean they get closer and closer he's honking and honking and uh these people they move just enough to give uh sean enough room to and he drifts through them dude and i gotta be honest with you like again if you're watching this along with us 
pay attention to how they use the sound and the editing and the sequence. It's really, really cool. Cause like as, as soon as they go, look out, look out, look out. You see like this shot of a person barely getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they like move out of the way, you see it go. Whoom, and the sound just kind of goes, well, and it I goes liked, silent. Yes. And you see them in the car, like in slow-mo. But it, going, it doesn't oh. go totally silent. Like, because it reminded me of the scene in last Jedi where they, where they go through the, destroyer or whatever and they drop all the sound the holdo maneuver and people thought it was like which a is a one in a million shot people that thought it was never like be a, done again something was wrong with the film yeah. and it's like here it's not totally silent it's just kind of like this it's it's better done almost like i don't know it's like kind of a I better, think it's done better done than star wars no. differently yeah. done better differently done than star wars yeah. you know what it reminded me of i'm actually wearing um headphones during this episode because we had some sound issues the last couple episodes um it reminds me these are the uh the noise canceling mm-hmm. so it would like remind me if i was wearing these and i just switched the noise canceling like i could still kind of hear stuff but it's yeah like, it was yeah. really cool yeah it was neat. everything becomes muted it literally right, goes yes. but that's if, if you've ever been in something like that like a really crazy moment where everything time seemed to slow down you literally hear the yeah. of sound it's really interesting Han and DK do the same, and no one's even hurt. No casualties. Nobody dies. They continue on, skidding and drifting all over the place. By the way, gentlemen, was that Adam Scott? No, it was Parks and Rec who just moaned? He looked a lot like Adam Scott. Not even a little bit. He looked like Adam Scott from the Mirror Mirror universe because he had a goatee. (laughs) Uh, But they continue on. DK manages to get up ahead of Han, and then he does a full 180 so he can drive backwards and shoot at Han at the same time. Pretty cool. Yeah. Classic I mean, villain stuff. Yeah, which is the second time this movie that he's done a 180 to kind of taunt someone. It would have been interesting. It's a signature move. DK right. could have been a really good uh, addition elbow. to uh, DK 180. He could have been a good addition to the Toretto family if he wasn't such an asshole. He wasn't such a bad guy. Because he was a great driver. He's a regular Johnny Tran. That's right. If you think about it. Sean tries to make it through another intersection, but clips the front bumper of a car and crashes into some cars on the side of the street. Han he lets gets out a very, very funny little <laughs> when he hits too. If you pay attention, it's he's, really he's funny. Surprised. He's caught off but guard. it's the Wilhelm. It's totally like the it's Wilhelm. not even as like good as a oh, a Wilhelm sounds like a competent ah. This is like he lets out. It's almost like a like he sounds like a little girl. He's like ah. It's really funny. And Han gets around DK and tries to go through the same intersection. Now, this is basically the end of these 15 minutes. But if we rewind just a couple of minutes back to the mid credit scene of 6, Fast and Furious 6, a message goes out over police scanners. It says, all cars warning. Two cars are currently racing with an RX-7 and a mysterious driver is listening and pulls out into traffic. My question is, what? why would they spe- specify an RX-7? I mean, other than so this person knows that it's Han's car. That's exactly it. <laughs> it's for the screenwriting purposes. Yeah. yeah. So he knows it's an, an RX-7. Frankly, whatever the fuck that is, am I right? It's a, it's a car, man. <laughs> it's a type of car. We see Han and Sean and DK in their heated chase. The police scanner's still going. The race is heading towards central Shibuya. The RX-7 is approaching the intersection. They're really concerned about this RX-7 for some reason. And so is this driver. It's because if you think about it, they're headed towards a densely populated area. But why not say, Japan, and this again, kind of car, like, and also this car is involved? Because I think he, maybe they think he's a leader, and for story purposes. Yes. Yes. 
this driver is listening. He's got the police scanner on. He's following every all the information. And we see the cars, the same Shibuya Square drift that we just talked about. The mysterious driver sees Han's car and plows right into it. Han crashes. He's laying there in the car. He's badly hurt, upside down, like Justin Lin loves. Breaks breaks my heart to see because I love Han so much. Mm-hmm. Han's my favorite character. This He's was struggling. It, it was heartbreaking to see this happen. Yes, and a bald man steps out of the car. He's bald, so you know he's important. He walks. He approaches uh, Han's flaming wreck, and he, Han's kind of struggling, trying to get out there. The man takes out Dom's lucky silver cross necklace. He throws it at Han. And then he, wa- he he gets on the phone and he calls Dom, who apparently answers. And the man says, "Dominic Toretto, you can don't I, know me." Can I can I do this? Because I sure. love I, yeah. Dominic Toretto. You don't know me, Hot but car. you're about to. Yeah, yeah I just yeah, I, I love the explosion. <laughs> I, I fucking love Jason Statham. Now, so, but having watched you this don't know me, scene, but you're about to. There is room for Han to have somehow gotten out of that car. Yeah, I think I have a very big suspicion that because we have that dichotomy within the, you know, that that Shaw has become a good guy sort of in the in the the later movies. Mm-hmm. I have a really weird feeling he's going to have gotten away somehow and that's how they're going to justify not having to murder him because mm-hmm. like why wouldn't Toretto fucking kill the him the minute he had the there. chance no <laughs> I know trying. no I know but I mean why wouldn't he kill him the moment he had the chance um, but, like, and then also because I was going to say unless they were somehow in, in, in cahoots because I was thinking like how would um, because this chase through Tokyo was not planned it's not like they were planning right. I mean it was an impromptu thing so right. how was uh, Jason Statham even prepared for this he's just sitting well there not on the to scanner. mention why would you hit your partner and flip his because, car like because there they is could the chance or, they could orchestrate him. this fake death I'm just I'm not saying that's yeah, what happened, no I know but, but, presumably. but, but there is a weird I mean I, I yeah there, there's they're gonna have a twist that's why Justin Lin is wearing a justice just for, for Han, Han shirt yeah. because he's hinting around that they're gonna be dealing with it that would be I would so, not be can you imagine surprised if they if did Han not, does if not they didn't show tease it and then they show he shows up in the middle of the movie that would get such a fucking huge pop well dude I I, I, I do have to say so when when that happened in seven or wait, 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 six, six sorry yeah. when it happened in six not only was I like, that was fucking brilliant while I was like watching it, the audience went fucking crazy. Because you've been waiting three movies for it, They really. went crazy when that sequence happened. Yeah. And imagine you know? if like him or, or or Giselle shows up unannounced. Like you can't show you can't tease him in the tra- the trailer or whatever, you know? What would what, like they do with every single like movie? Yeah. What, what would yeah. you guys do if fucking Han showed up and he was like burnt and he's, he's missing now a he was like the red hood. But now he's like a villain in the series. No, that would, that would be great. Like, but they would still redeem him somehow. Yeah, but I mean, if he was kind of like the redhead, like you are sympathizing with, you know, the person that did this to me. You are now friends with him. You are now my enemy. Like that sort of thing. Well, if he's I got think, a goatee, we know he's. Yeah, evil. I think Han would be a great bad guy. It'd be. It, I mean, it would be silly, Han but it'd gone. be awesome. No. I just but these movies are just, silly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I I would really like to see oh, him come back. I would, and it would be really cool if he if he showed up in one of the movies and had somehow been working, you know. And they and they tie it all together. I mean, they've done it ten times before. If Justin, in the series. Justin Lin, so like he, you know, he could totally pull it off. I mean, the way that they just pulled this off and made it work within three. Mm-hmm. Is is really amazing. I mean, that I think that was really the moment. Even though I'd been watching all of the movies and loving them, mm-hmm. where I really was like, I fucking just love what they're doing with this, and like they blew my mind. 
Well, now have with the the Han sort of arc being done, how do you feel about Han at this point? He's still, all right. Still indifferent. <laughs> like, I I was surprised at how quick this movie went by. Yeah. It, it's it's. I mean, you said the runtime was an hour forty five. Yeah, because all yeah. the other ones recently are like two and a half. Well, the last two thir- uh, the last two fifteen minute segments, I was like, all right, we're we're really starting to get you know get to know him. <laughs> this one we don't. Re- like he shows up in like kind of two scenes, doesn't exposit anything. He's just there to get you know punched and to react. And I just I kind of thought that okay, we'll get you know some of his backstory, you know, or you know he'll have a moment. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. Like I don't see the appeal, guys. I'm sorry. And also just for the the continuity of this movie alone, he's just killed trying to cross the intersection. Yeah. I mean, like it's just a random car. Yeah. 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 So it is interesting as the narrative for this film, when this film came out, he is kind of an ineffectual character. I mean, he gets Sean into this world, but there's no real redemption for him at the end. I, you know, though, I still, Sung Kang is one of those actors, He's like, I've enjoyed him in everything I've seen him in. Um, have you guys seen Ninja Assassin? Uh, maybe it's it's actually it's it's one of those movies it's not a great movie but it's way better than like what you think it's gonna be it's it's really fun i may have seen it and i forgot all it's about the, it. it's the director of uh, v for vendetta so it's got some mm-hmm. really good action but anyway he's in the opening sequence playing a yakuza member siblings were are the wachowski sisters directed v for vendetta the sisters produced it okay so uh I forget his name. I'm forgetting his name right now. But anyway, he was their first assistant director. He did all the second unit work on all the Matrix movies and stuff. Mm. Apparently, he did some really great work. So they gave him uh, James McTeague, I think. They gave him uh, V for Vendetta. And then he did Ninja Assassin and an Edgar Allan Poe movie with John Cusack that nobody went to see. The Raven, I think. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but Ninja Assassin, anyway, he plays a Yakuza at the beginning of Ninja Assassin. And he's a total fucking asshole, and I didn't even realize it was him. That's how good of an actor he is. And he's in Bullet to the Head, I think, with Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's a very dynamic, yeah. fun he, actor. He is a good actor, but again, you guys have to realize that... like You don't even long- care about anything? I don't care about Except for anything. Star Wars at the Disney fucking... Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, like, before we even started this podcast, people were telling me how great Han was. Like, Han was really kind of built up, like, <laughs> and I'm watching him just like, yeah, he's Han. He's he's a character. <laughs> he's on the screen. And maybe if they didn't hype him out so much, I would be like, all right. Just, yeah, I mean, just great. as a general, like, character, you didn't you didn't like him? No, it's not that I didn't even like him. It's just he was fine. But like, I, he, I, it's been hyped up so sure. much that he's, like, the greatest. Like, he's, like, the Indiana Jones you know the the I Han call Solo, him the Indiana Jones. But that's what people have been telling me, like okay. for you know well, those years. people were lying to you. Well, I don't think. I mean, if you're just watching, I think Han is very cool. But if you're watching the movies, he's not necessarily more cool than any other. Like I like him a lot, but and and, he, and he's very smooth. And I think there's like ways like you can point at things and be like, Han is is uh, cooler and smoother in his reactions than a lot of the other characters in the the movie, but. I don't. I don't view him as more important than other characters. How else. dare you both? How very, very dare you? He was just built up too much. Like That's he's fair. fine. I like him. I, I like the actor. Mm-hmm. But I was expecting, you know, him to be like the greatest film, or the greatest character I ever committed to film. Well, I got news for you. There's an after credit sequence where he gives birth to Christ. Well, so you're wrong. That's not, not a true. Movie. It's, it's actually Damien. Yeah. 
from Brittles. I love Han. Okay, I make no Brittles. bones about it. I love Han. I've had a heterosexual man what, crush on Han. What are they gonna do for a half an hour now? I've forgotten. This movie there's, has another there's, half. There's a there's an epilogue and an epic showdown between he and DK. Awesome. Between scene. Sean and DK. Are you looking forward to that, Anthony? The post credit scene. There's no. more Sunny Chiba. Oh. Are you looking forward to Sean getting his revenge for Han? Justice for Han, you mean? Yeah. Hashtag? Sure. Can yeah. Hashtag it? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. I, I mean, I'm kind of locked into this podcast <laughs> right, at this I point. Know. so Well, you don't yeah. have a choice. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm enjoying this one a lot more than the, the last two. You want to watch uh, Too Fast again? No. Fuck you. <laughs> what if Han was in it? <laughs> Fuck you with We're Gary the proctologist's the fingers. <laughs> prosthetic, <laughs> prosthetic prosthetic arm finger. Oh god. <laughs> what what would you do if they released a uh, too fast, too furious deluxe Two. edition with uh, CGI added Han? No. I want there to be a Too Fast, Too Furious Two, which is about Han meeting Dom in Mexico and them running a, a job down there. That could be fun. Yeah. I, I mean, would like I wouldn't that. put right. it past them to to start doing prequels and things like that with those characters and de-aging them. I'm scared their next step is going to be to start it over with new actors or something stupid like that. They can't do that. No. Well, Hollywood's had This franchise will never die though. They are going to find a way to keep it going long into our, you know, elder years. This podcast has a lot of episodes. On the prequel starring Daniel (laughs) Day-Lewis. Brian Connor, year one. He's retired. Oh God! Brian O'Connor. Excuse me. Did you guys? Thank God they've they've canceled it, but they were going to do Die Hard Year One, and they finally yeah. uh, they shelved it. Thank the Christ! Oh, I thought Disney was still producing. Jesus! It. Well, no, before we no get into other news for other franchises people. that we'll discuss after the podcast, let's wrap this fucker up. What do you say? Uh, yes, let's awesome. do that, okay. guys. Let's take a moment. Let's take three to four seconds to pause in memory of Han Solo. Well, guys, <laughs> follow us on Instagram. It was so three fast. seconds, you bastard. I counted Show some head. respect I for did, the dead. I did the Mississippis and everything. Follow us on uh, Twitter at SoFastSoFurious. No. Follow us on Twitter at SoFastPodcast. Instagram at SoFastSoFurious. You know the email because I told Gary, the proctologist, about it earlier. He's and angrily <laughs> typing with his one prosthetic finger. <laughs> to who it may concern. Proctology Next. is a sensitive, sensitive job. <laughs> and so are my fingers. Requires Especially my middle one, and which I extend to you now. And sir. lots of loop. <laughs> <laughs> so stop being an asshole. See what I did there. I love, how, I love how Vito's respect. angry guy is always Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Stanley. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's a subtle difference. Well, we'd like all of you to uh, uh, tune in next week uh, when we get back into Tokyo Drift and uh, subscribe and rate and review and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, rate and review, damn it. Yeah. Do you want us to make you do it? Because we'll make you do we'll it. We'll send Dom Toretto after you. We're going to send some of these the the meanies. <laughs> I'm Gary the Fun Proctologist, and I was sitting here by the So Fast So Furious podcast to shove my hand up your ass if you don't rate and review. Okay, I'll give it a five star. Hang on. And I'll give it a five fingers. <laughs> oh, God. Say goodbye, Anthony. Bye. Oh, you totally missed the goodbye, Anthony joke that you could have done for <laughs> Anyway, I'm not a hack. Bye, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs>